and welcome to the Happy Dog Podcast. I hope you're all well. Today's little mini-sode is going to be all about dominance theory, which is something that I have been talking about my entire career. And I have a feeling I'm going to talk about it all of my career um, because it just it just won't go away. So we're going to talk about why or where it originated from um, and, and just why, why we're still talking about it um, today. theory comes from a study a really long time ago uh, in the 1930s and 40s so we're coming up to nearly 100 years ago um, by an animal behaviorist called Rudolf Schenkel and in this research he concluded that wolves in a pack would fight to gain dominance and the winner would become the alpha the alpha wolf which I'm sure you've all heard at some point um, but this research, because obviously studying wolves in the 1930s is probably a little bit more tricky than it is now with drones and, and all of the technology that we have. So what they did was they looked at wolves that have been put into captivity and they found that these captives wolves seemed to assert dominance over one another to gain a superior rank within that group. And then they postulated that this was the same for all wolves in all environments, which is really quite some leap I would say um and then a further leap (laughs) they decided that not only is this true now for all wolves but also for all domestic dogs as well which are really now quite a far cry as I look over at Stanley laid upside down behind me far cry from a wild wolf so it was from this research it was postulated that Wolves and domestic dogs are in constant competition for a higher rank, trying to keep that by um, using aggression or, or displays of threat to keep others in, a, in an inferior position, in a subordinate position. But you might have noticed there was a slight flaw in this, that the research was carried out on captive wolves. Now, captive wolves will probably form a hierarchical pack, just as you kind of have in the workplace where you have unrelated people all together kind of vying for a superior position. And so it's it's really um, quite a stretch to then be able to say that that research is across the board for, for all of the canid family. Quite some, quite some leaps that they made. Much more recent research kind of in the early 2000s carried out by David Mays. And this is stated from his study. And I really like this quote because I really think it sums it up. And you're probably already thinking about it to some extent, but um, just to sum it up in a a really clear way. um, He said, attempting to apply information about the behaviour of assemblies of unrelated captive wolves to the familiar structure of natural packs has resulted in a considerable confusion. Such an approach is analogous to trying to draw influences about human family dynamics by studying humans in refugee camps. The concept of the alpha wolf as top dog ruling a group of similar age compatriots is particularly misleading. 
And I think that's really true, isn't it? We might look at humans in a refugee camp and study their behaviour, but it's probably not the way that I live in my home I'm in a very fortunate position. I'm not fighting for food in my home. Um, well, I might have to fight for chocolate against my husband, but I mean, that's probably about as vicious as it's going to get. I'm not vying for the best place to sleep, the best shelter. I'm not looking to survive necessarily. I'm very fortunate, as I'm sure you are, if you're listening to this podcast, that that we don't have to survive as much i mean you might be trying to get that last tomato in sainsbury's at the minute but it's probably nothing compared i mean we couldn't even imagine the horrors of a refugee camp and what our behavior might look like should we be in the place of those people so instead what we know now about the wolf family structure is it's quite similar to ours there's a breeding pair mating pair um that have children they look after those children until about one to three years of age and then those juvenile wolves then go off and form their own families just like we do we have mum and dad we have children we raise those children obviously they stay with us for a really long time but then they go off and they make their own family um, and so on and so forth it's quite an unusual family structure to have multiple people of the same age same gender living together not forming that kind of traditional family group um i'm sure maybe they're forming their own family group but even that's not kind of comparable to how the captive wolves were if you have all males in one situation more like a frat house isn't it i suppose so the captive wolves had to live together because they were in captivity and they kind of formed their own rules but they're nothing in relation to what a what a normal family wolf would look like However, this nearly 100-year research seems to form a large proportion of literature that is out there. Um, I did a quick little search on Google, um, and the search term alpha dog came back with 193 million Google results. The term dominant dog came back with um, 75,400,000 results. Um, and how to stop my dog being dominant came back with 25,200,000 results. That's quite a lot. Um, and I, I know that they probably don't all relate to training in a dominant way, in this kind of pack leader way. But there are millions of sites out there that, that are advocating that viewpoint. TV shows often propel this myth of being the dominant, being the top, being the alpha. Um, I hear it from vets, unfortunately, a lot. And hopefully I have some vets listening to this show who are thinking about things in a different way. A lot of older vets, and I, I kind of get it, were, were taught this at veterinary school, if if they were lucky. Um, Behaviour wasn't a great part of their cur curriculum a long time ago. And they then pass that knowledge on, uh, maybe without having any um, updates. And then, of course, we've got social media and definitely over the last couple of years has been a huge shift back towards this kind of alpha positioning um, on social media. So the, the, the theory is because um, you as a human should be the top dog, you therefore have to dominate your dog and overpower them into submission. And they're all wrong, every single one of them. And so what we need to look at is why that position in your mindset then leads to these more um punishment based training systems so to be able to dominate somebody you hold power over them and you are making them kind of do your bidding 
So a lot of the theories that I've heard come out of this were very much like you must show that you're the alpha by eating before your dog. Now, in the wild, wolves would actually, the strongest wolf would eat last because they need the least nutrition at that time. And they would let the pups and the older and the weaker wolves eat first. So that's been dispelled. Um, Also, you might have the, you might have heard of walking through the door before your dogs. It's one of my personal favorites because I don't know if you've ever seen wolves in the wild, but there ain't many doors there. Um, And I, I think there's more than that. I get it. But I think it's the fact that you should be leading from the front. But again, the strongest wolf will be at the back of the group, making sure that they weren't losing anyone along the way. So there's all of these things that have been introduced, not letting your dog sit high up, not letting them sit on the sofa because they might be dominant. Or are they just comfy? Uh, Both of my dogs have their own sofa. I have a sofa in my office for my dogs um, and they sit with us on an evening. I don't think they've got any intentions of taking over the world. And there are, of course, more serious ways that people train their dogs using choke chains, prong collars, shock collars. And unfortunately, they all end up on the same side of the training argument that you have to dominate your dog. And to do this, you have to kind of break them a little bit to teach them to be subordinate to you rather than inviting a dog into your home and wanting them to be part of your family group, part of that system that you're developing, whether you're on your own and you're building a family with your dogs, whether you've got a partner and you're building um, a family with your dogs. I would never want to bring an animal into my world to then use pain to make them behave in a way that I want them to behave. I find it a really difficult thing to get my head around. Um, I have trained with choke chains. My first dog in the 90s, um, was trained on a choke chain and it was so bad that it put a hole in her neck and it was from that moment forwards that I decided that that was not something that was for me um, she was also taught to lie down by knocking her front legs out from underneath her not once in her 13 years on this earth did she lay down on cue she was terrified of that cue now looking back it breaks my heart that but I was told by a trainer at the time to do it like that and so we did But I learned so much from those two examples of using pain and punishment to train my dog um, that it shaped how I focused my entire career on ensuring that we can find a way around teaching our dogs and providing behavior modification without that. So when people use the term alpha or use the term pack leader or they must be dominant or they have a dominant dog, it's... The first thing you should always think is dominance relates to a relationship between two. So one is dominant over the other, which is not a personality trait. We don't have dominant personalities because generally you'll always come up against somebody who is senior to you in some way. So bear that in mind that when they say oh, they've got a dominant dog, it just shows that maybe they need to do a little bit more research because definitely not a way we describe any one individual of any species they are just dominant over another we are always going to be dominant over our dogs if we really think about it until our dogs can go down to Sainsbury's get some food feed it to themselves um we're we're always going to have that superior positioning we don't then need to keep hammering it home to them that, that they have to obey every single thing 
Like it's just, it's just not how it's going to work. It's not going to how it's, it doesn't work like that between two dogs. And it's certainly not going to work like that between a human and a dog. It's just not going to sit right. And the more you think about it, the more examples you will come up with of how old theories don't fit with what you see before you with your dogs. I hope that helps. I hope that it's explained a lot about um, hierarchies, why it doesn't work with dogs, where the research came from, why it needs to to die, and why we need to move on for our for our dog's own well being. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please come and follow me on pooches.galore on Instagram. You can uh, follow my podcast on Spotify or Apple or pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. Please share, rate, review, rave about the podcast. The more people we have listening, the bigger audience we have and the more we can do with this podcast. I'll see you next week.